Welcome to Meanwhile. This is Michael Melcher. Meanwhile is my podcast where I share ideas about how to improve your work and life. Meanwhile, everything else is going on, including the global pandemic of COVID-19. So how is that working from home working out? Is it everything you've dreamed of and more? Or is it a bit of a mixed bag? Well, today in Meanwhile, I talk about how adding a bit of structure can make your life happier and more productive. And I'll give you some very specific ways you can do that. So let's get started. Welcome to Meanwhile. Today, we're going to talk about imposing structure. Since many of you, at least all the white collar workers, are working from home and having that new experience. There are some upsides to working from home that people are familiar with, and there are also some downsides. One thing that people don't realize about work and going to offices is that it creates structure for you. When you work from home, a lot of that structure goes away, and absent that, you can become a little strung out and inefficient. So today I want to talk about the various things I've learned in my 20 years or so of being in the entrepreneurial world about how you can create structure. So let's first talk about what work does. So work and going to offices has a bit of a bad rap. We've all seen The Office. We've all read Dilbert, such that it seems that being liberated from that is a really good thing. But work, if you do it in an office, it gives you a place to go. It gives you rules. It provides interaction. Um, Whether or not you like the people, you can at least interact with them. It measures your productivity in a somewhat fake but convincing way. And it contains your discretion. And what I mean by that is you don't have to decide everything. You can't decide everything. You actually decide a relatively small number of things because the structure takes care of that. What happens when you no longer have an office to go to? Well, there are actually some very specific problems that can come up with that. The first is that freedom can create anxiety. When you can do anything, you can do everything. So how are you supposed to figure out what to do and whether it's the right thing? You may not be getting much reinforcement for it. While freedom creates anxiety, constraints can create a sense of calm. I will repeat that. Constraints can create a sense of calm because you know what you're supposed to do and not do. A coach named Stan Green once made the observation that if you look at little children playing, if they are around a school that has no fence, they will huddle around the building. But if there is a fence next to the road, they'll run right up to the fence and play. So constraints can actually make you a little bit freer and happier and looser than just doing everything willy-nilly. A second thing is that if you do not have a structure, you experience decision fatigue. Decision fatigue means the exhaustion that comes from making decision upon decision upon decision upon decision. That's why we have habits. If you had to decide each morning whether or not to brush your teeth, whether or not to get up at a certain time, whether or not to bathe or shower or shave or what have you, um, it would get kind of exhausting. That's why we do certain things automatically. But when you work at home, 
you actually have a lot more potential decisions because the number of meetings you go to, the number of things you do, maybe somewhat less than in an office. Another thing you discover when you work at home is that time-based efficiency is flawed. Different careers have different um, notions of productivity. Probably the most disturbing and, and uh, unproductive one is what's used in law firms where you have to measure your time in six-minute increments and assign it to particular clients or matters. And they examine the number of hours you worked um, over the course of a week, month, year. And that may relate to perceptions of how good a lawyer you are and how productive you're being. Um, even though that doesn't really say much about how good you are at, at being a lawyer. So at home, you kind of discover the same thing. When you go to an office let's say you go from nine to five or eight to eight or what have you, you kind of feel that when you arrive, you start working and when you leave, you stop working. But in fact, people waste a lot of time in offices, a lot. And some things you do in an office are far more productive than others, but it's all kind of masked because you're on the job and you're getting paid. When you're at home, it becomes really apparent that you do not work as efficiently on all things at the same time. And that certain times a day are less efficient. So if you are basing your productivity on how many hours you actually put in at home, you're probably gonna become unhappy. Therefore, we need some different way of measuring productivity. When you're at home, you may run into what we can call competing commitments. Other things that are important to you, um, such as a child asking you to make a sandwich or a quesadilla or play with him or her. You may feel a desire to do it. You may feel a responsibility, but it's a competing commitment to your work. When you're at work, those are conveniently masked. Though children can call you or text you, they're a bit detached from being in your face. A different way of putting this is you can experience a lack of role clarity when you're at work, it's pretty clear that your role is to be at work. But when you're at home, you kind of have multiple roles at the same time. And so you can get a little confused on that. The final thing is that you can be understimulated in a home environment, particularly if you're working on the computer and doing Zoom calls all day. Touch and proximity are a big deal. Even if you don't like the people that you work with all that much and you know, we no longer really touch each other or hug each other in public much. Having people around is is a big deal. And when you're at home, even though you have the comforts of your own home, there's something missing in terms of the just the simulation of being around other people. This is further accentuated if you type on a computer all day or talk to the computer. It would be one thing if you were milking cows or doing embroidery or something like that as your work something artisanal or more manual. Um, sitting in front of a computer or on the phone just doesn't have that connection. So you can start feeling sir crazy and brain dead after a certain period of time. All right, so those are some of the issues that are going on. What are some things you can do to structure your day? So I'll give you a few ideas that I've worked with over the years. Pick the ones that work for you. The first thing you can do is Define your must. So the must is the one thing that you definitely have to get done that day. Or 
the two things that will define success for you for the day. Um, that's different from saying get done with everything on your list. It's really making you focus on what is the highest value thing or the most important thing to do. So for various reasons, uh, for me, the must today is doing this podcast episode because I have been under productive in terms of my creative output, which is either a book I'm working on or something like this. And it makes a big difference for me that I do this. That's me. You'll have your own must. The reason this is important is that typically you will never get everything done on your list. So if success is getting everything done, you're going to feel unsuccessful. Um, And there's also the temptation to just start looking at your email inbox and start responding to things as opposed to thinking what is really the highest and best use. Now, this may also require you to look forward the whole week or perhaps a month to think about of all the things in front of you, what is actually the highest value, but take some time to define your must. Second thing is create an entry routine. So an entry routine is simply your process for sitting down and starting work. Maybe you get up and start right away. Maybe you deal with children. Maybe you go on some kind of outside activity with your mask on, avoiding people. Whatever it is, create an entry routine so that you are not simply waking up and wondering what time you should start work or alternately starting it before you've taken care of other things like, I don't know, feeding children breakfast. A few years ago, I was working on a book and you know, starting writing is kind of a hard thing. And so I created a routine that worked really well. I would go to a local cafe. I would put on my noise-canceling headset. I would attach it to my phone. And then I would have a playlist of exactly the same songs, play the same songs every day in the same order. And regardless of how I was feeling about working or whether I wanted to, that ritual got me into it. So create your ritual or your routine that announces for you the start of work. A third thing is if you are doing hard things, things that require real thinking or ideation, as opposed to just reading a bunch of emails and responding to a bunch of emails and tweeting, you really want to start and stop consciously. It is very difficult to compose anything that requires real thinking if you are getting notifications from your email or checking the news or Facebook. Um, In an earlier podcast, I talked about this candle method where what you do is you light a candle when you're starting and then you can stop the activity, but you have to blow out the candle if you're going to stop it. Okay, so that kind of a, that prevents you from tricking yourself that you're working when you're not really working. A fourth concept is don't mix work and play. By that, I mean, if you're working, don't be going onto Twitter or Facebook or CNN.com, or whatever, um, or texting your friends, if you're seriously working. That is not actually working. That is interrupting your work. And there is a lot of research that when you task switch, you lose productivity and you lose energy, however tempting it is. I realize this is a hard sell for some people, but if you can actually discipline yourself to only work when you're working and only play when you're playing, you're going to be much more effective. Another way of thinking about this is decide what your time-wasting activities are and then schedule them. So you want to check Twitter? Fine. 
get lost in Twitter from 1230 to 1 p.m. every day. You want to see how many likes you have on Facebook? Fine. Of your adorable children? Fine. Do that at 3 p.m. You want to go nuts over COVID-19 news and scare the shit out of yourself? Okay, then do that between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. every night. But don't do that in the middle of your workday. That is not work. It doesn't count. So be honest with yourself. Another thing I've tried is pair something with exercise. Exercise is important. You might do it in your home. I recently observed a friend of mine on a Zoom call kind of slowly bouncing up and down throughout an hour-long call, and I realized she was on her treadmill desk. Good for her. I've done the same thing. Or um, perhaps you're in a place where you can go jogging or what have you, or walking. I think this is a good time for a phone call. It could be a social phone call. It could be a work phone call. A clever use of the mute button um, will enable you to do this. Exercise is super important now, um, and it's hard to get in. So to the extent you could pair it with some other activity, that's good. Um, related to that, if you want to do stuff with your children, I would recommend that you try to do that outside rather than inside, because then at least you're getting out of your little cave. Next tip is shorten all planned meetings. Most meetings are too long. There's no reason everything should be an hour. And when things are virtual, they feel longer. So if you're in a position of any kind of power, just push back. Someone wants an hour, give them a half hour or 45 minutes. Someone wants half an hour, try 15 minutes. It will make you more efficient and make you feel like you're more in control of your life. My next to final suggestion is something I've been working on a lot lately. <laughs> it's called Make Your Coffee Work For You. So I recently listened to this audiobook by Michael Pollan, who wrote The Omnivore Dilemma, and his most recent book is about caffeine. And long story short, caffeine is a drug. It doesn't really have many negative side effects. It does affect cognition, your ability to think, and your ability to feel positively about things. And I kind of realized I was wasting my caffeine because I would have it first thing in the morning. I might do it when I was doing my Artist Way morning pages, stream consciousness writing. But what I realized is I could use it for doing things that are a little harder, for working on writing, um, for doing business development, pairing it with something that I thought was important but might find a hard time doing. Because here's what happens. It actually makes you like the task more. Coffee really is a little bit of crack in the morning and it elevates your mood. So think about something that you would like to elevate your mood around and use it for that. But don't just waste it. Don't just you know, drink it while reading the New York Times. That is not a good use of it in my view. And my final tip is keep a parking lot, meaning just a place where you write down all the stuff that's coming to mind that you might want to do, whether it's some task you forgot or some online shopping you'd like to do or a vacation you'd like to take once all this is over years from now, and jot that down. So I use Evernote um, for many things, and I have a file that I call Tasky Tasks. So Tasky Tasks for April 2020, which is renamed Tasky Tasks for February or whatever it was. And I have different categories like business development, clients, creativity, home, kids, et cetera, et cetera. And I just dump these tasks in there as I think about them and periodically go through and rearrange them. And that way I keep track of the stuff that's coming up in my head without getting distracted 
by the thought that I'll forget to do something that I just thought of. All right. That's all I got on structure. A little bit of structure can make your home workflow better. Don't be fooled by grabbing all the freedom you can. Constraints can actually help you be calmer and happier. All right. From the bunker, this is Michael Melcher for Meanwhile, and I will talk to you again soon. Mm -hmm.